Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti, and I've got the uh, the boys with me, uh, Preston Parker and Campbell. Um, we just uh, returned from a, uh, a conference to start off the year. We were at uh, CrossCon 24, um, and uh, it, it was really kind of uh, one of Parker's buddies, um, Sir Duncan, um, is, uh, is on uh, the traveling team, and uh, this is a big conference um, missions focused. And so, um, I know, um, you know, the, the guys wanted to see Piper as well. John Piper was there, uh, David Platt, uh, Kevin DeYoung, Rosaria Butterfield, who was my favorite. Uh, I thought she was fantastic. Trip Lee, uh, just some, some great speakers. I think it one, I think it's a great way to start off the year. Campbell, you and I just spent a whole semester, um, at school. We were talking about developing a spiritual development plan. And one of the things that I put in there was the importance of, um, a conference, uh, and I think, you know, through my life, um, I've been to a number of different uh, Christian conferences, spiritual conferences, uh, and I think they're a, uh, an incredible tool um, to kind of help you focus, um, to hear a bunch of different voices. Like, I mean, you go to a good church, you get, you know, great Bible teaching all the time, you listen to a bunch of different podcasts of maybe some of the same voices over and over and over again. But a conference is, is, you know, usually some different people that you haven't heard before. There's some different people at this particular conference that I hadn't heard before. And I think it's just a great way um, to kind of put aside the things you're normal, you know, like we were in Louisville, Kentucky. And so, you know, obviously we were, you know, staying in an Airbnb um, and, uh, and, you know, hanging out with some guys. And, and it was a great time for us to spend some time together as men um, and to focus on the word of God and just kind of see what God is doing to listen, to uh, contemplate. And so um, I just wanted to kind of share our thoughts um, with our listeners out there. It's just a reminder uh, of how important these things can be and to encourage you if you're especially if you're a young guy. So CrossCon, um, there's, you know, Passion. Um, what were some other ones that they mentioned? You guys remember? I mean, Stumo. Stumo, right? Um, so Sophie was here and went to, what? what's the SMC, Stumo Conference. SMC, Stumo Conference. Um, so there's some great things that if you're looking for uh, just something, I used to go to Q, I think it's called Think Now, um, you know, that you get some great Christian people throwing some stuff up against the wall, opening the word of God. It's just, it's, it's awesome. And so I wanted to get your thoughts and your perspectives as we just kind of, as we kind of walk through some of the things, my, my big takeaway, um, there, there are a couple things, but I want to start with, you know, Piper has a book called don't waste your life. Um, and he started his, um, you know, sermon esque little part that he did, uh, focusing on that, right. He's like, you don't want to get to be my age. And I think he said he was like 73 years old. Right. You don't want to get to be my age, look back and have regrets on the things that you could have done and you should have done for God. And so this conference was focused on kind of 18 to 25 year old, um, you know, young Christians uh, growing in their faith. And, and I thought it was a great reminder uh, to them and to us that no matter where you are in your journey, um, that you want to be using 2024 to advance um, in your relationship with the Lord. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, share some resources, share our word of the year, uh, and just talk about some other things we learned. So um, guys, what did what did you learn uh, from the conference? What were kind of your, your big takeaways? I guess I'll hop in based off Piper. Um, one, it was cool to like, hear and see him in person. Like he's one of a monumental guy for 
just Christians all around the world. But um, the part that I really liked at the, when he kind of started off talking about um, how Satan is under the sovereignty of God is a servant for Christians, which I thought was a really interesting idea. He said, like, Satan is like a dog on a leash that God is holding mm. and controlling to do what he wants to do. Yep. Um, and I like this quote that he said. He said that if you live with misery, you are saying, I agree with Satan, because the suffering that you experience is designed for strength and fruitfulness. So anytime that you are playing into the suffering as a miserable experience on a growing experience, you're like telling Satan, hey, you're doing your job well, because it's the same thing. God and Satan are like, God is allowing what Satan's doing for our good. Satan's wanting us to convince that it's bad. And so like our response to that can be a win for Satan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just summarize what he spent a lot of time kind of unpacking. Um, he, he focused on this thing. He said, God often uses human sin and Satan oppression or opposition as a tool to advance the gospel. And then he walked through scripture and gave a bunch of different examples, and we could do that as well. Um, but I think what, what you pulled out is the idea that um, there are bad things that happen in life. But if you focus on the bad of the particular event, as opposed to what a good God is going to use that for, right, then you're giving Satan kind of the power to dictate the narrative of your life. And what he's saying is, it's not that bad things don't happen, right? But it's being able to look at it and say, why would a good God allow something bad? So, you know, one of the great examples, obviously, that people use, you go back to Genesis and you look at Joseph and, you know, these bad things happen and his brothers sell him into slavery and he ends up in Egypt and, you know, he ends up in prison and you go through all these things. At the end, right, you know, Joseph's statements to his brothers is, you meant this for evil, right? God meant it for good, right? And he, he orchestrates that to take the nation of Israel um, to allow them to go into slavery, right? But one, to protect the family, to protect the people. And then we get actually the book of Exodus and, and we get to see God's incredible, um, you know, might and power um, because of these different things. And so he doesn't minimize the bad. He just asks you to refocus on the, hey, what, what could God be doing in the midst of this, even though it looks like a bad? And so the, the concept is, is if you're, if you're miserable going through life and you're only focusing on the, on the negative aspect as opposed to saying, okay, God, what are you going to do with this, right? How, how are you going to work this out? That's what Piper really wanted us to focus on. I thought that was really, really powerful. Yeah, so staying, staying on the topic, kind of what Piper was talking about with regards to kind of things going bad and kind of not knowing i think a lot of people run into those situations of kind of not knowing what to do and he he brought up the point of the the death of stephen and the persecution of christians mm -hmm. um leading to the advance advancement of the gospel and i think another thing he brought up was just being like paul and like when paul was in prison and the and the guard that's in prison when the earthquake comes and all the yep. um, prison doors open and he knows if one of those people escape i mean it's, it's his head and so, I mean, it's crazy that in the end he becomes a Christian because, um, like, uh, what he was talking about, Piper was talking about, is being like Paul is um, sometimes you don't know that God actually has um, a story and he has things that he has set in place for your enemies, for people that you wouldn't see coming because through you, through your pain and through your suffering, God has a plan that he has already in store. And, I mean while we're going through this pain and suffering, it's going to lead others to Christ. Yeah, and the, and the key of that, which I think was so important, was not that Paul waited until, um, you know, the, the earthquake came and, and, you know, they were freed and, and you know, all the different, right? It says, right, Paul, right, when they're put in prison, Paul's like, okay, what are we going to do? And it's like, well, we're going to sing. 
And so in the midst of the negative, Paul chose to focus on, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are we going to celebrate your goodness, even in the midst of something bad happening? Now, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's easy to look back at things, right, and say, oh, look how God used this. But I think what Piper was trying to challenge us as Christians to do was, hey, even in the midst of it, can you be praising God even in the midst of something that, that's negative because God's going to use it for his glory? Um, just going off of that, like, I think Paul walked in, be, uh, walked into that situation because uh, one of the things Piper said is walk in and out of suffering in submission. Mm-hmm. And so he knew I'm going to be submitted to Christ no matter what's coming. Yep. And so I'm going to be praising him whether I'm out of jail and I'm with my uh, companions or whether I'm in jail. And so it's like for him, it's I'm going to be submitted to God and praising him for all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's a, that's a great reminder for us because we don't know what's coming this year. Um, and I think, um, you know, as a reminder to those people out there listening, right, we don't, we don't know what's going on in your life. I'm assuming um, that there's a, a lot of you who are listening, that there's something that you'd say, hey, here's a negative in my life, right? It's a, it's a health situation. It's a finance situation. It's a relationship situation. Um, and what, you know, the reminder is, is, you know, God is still in control. So if you've submitted your life to the Lord and you're walking with him, the expectation is that you're going to be looking for God to be doing something in the midst of that. How, you know, the concept is, how's he going to work this out? How's he going to work this out for his glory and for my good? Because God is at work in the midst of those things. So that was a really good one. Um, I also love uh, Trip Lee's thing. He started off, um, he said, you know, what do you do when the biggest problem in your life is you? You know, and so a lot of people, they're trying to get their life better. You know, they're, they're starting you know, start the new year. We talked about different goals. How can we, um, you know, how can we do life better? And so, you know, you get your finances in shape, get your you know health and well-being in shape. You do all these different things, right? But Tripp's concept is, is here's the deal. No matter what you do, no matter what situation you change, right? You're in a bad job, you change, you're in another job. Uh, you're in a bad marriage, you change, you're in another marriage, right? He's just like, here's the deal. The biggest problem that you have is you, right? And the sin that you carry with you wherever you go. And so how are you going to address that? How are you going to address the sin nature that you carry? Um, And, you know, Rosaria Butterfield, you know, hammered on this as well. Um, She quotes a ton of John Owen, um, you know, and Thomas Watson, Doctrine of Repentance. But John Owen, the concept is if you're not killing sin, sin is killing you. Um, And so, you know, Triple E started off with that. And I thought that was fantastic um, as a a way to kick off a conference. Um, yeah, but also with sin, we have to be sensitive to look for it. Because mm-hmm. if we're not sensitive to look for it, then we'll just look past it. And that's when it can truly kill you. There you go. Um, but also, we can't just be looking at sin for what the world says it is. But we have to make sure we're like, hey, this is what God says it is. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't let the world define what sin in, is and isn't, right? Let God's word um, be the definition. So we have to hate the things that God hates and love the, loves the, love the things that God loves. Right, not the things that the world defines for us at that particular moment. I think Tripp had another thing he brought up with regards to sin as looking at it as not something where a lot of people will sin and just like you go and just ask for forgiveness and move on and you end up probably doing it later on and you think it's a whole cycle. But he talks about um, thinking about sin, that it's it's something that's affecting God as if it was a person. Mm. And so when, when, when you do something that affects a person, you feel that guilt, you feel that hey, the next time I'm, I'm going to see him, I'm going to still think about that. And I think he was kind of getting to the point of, hey, if you if you feel like that with God and you go with an actual attitude of, oh, my goodness, like I'm very sorry for what I did or for whatever the sin was, and you truly mean it, 
and you truly, because that's the thing, everybody's going to sin. It's how are you going to learn from that? And so if you're thinking of it as an actual person, as God is an actual person, then you're like, hey, you know what? I I am truly sorry for this. I truly do not want this to happen again. But I do know if it does happen again, I do know the best way for me to move forward. Yeah, he did a good job. He, He was the one who brought up the Xbox example. Right. Yeah. The the whole idea that if you know if you walk into a person's house and you're playing an Xbox with them, went through this whole story. But if you know you get upset and you 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 know smash up the Xbox, it's it's not like you hurt the other person, but you hurt something that the other person has and something the other person loves. And so, you know, looking at sin from that perspective as well can help us because when we sin, we not only hurt God, but we hurt things that God loves. We hurt other people. Right. We. I mean, we even hurt creation. And I think that's a great reminder, um, you know, that he put that uh, together for us to help us really evaluate kind of sin in our life. Anybody, anybody else from the conference that kind of jumped at you that had something that you well, thought was I thought, interesting? I thought Rosaria Butterfield, I'd agree, she was probably the best. Um, she was just like the most direct from probably a person I've heard at least in a long time on sin mm. and like the, the intensity of sin. Um, just like simply she just said, do not coddle your own sin. Yeah. Um, and just talked about just like the value that it takes to like be super intense on it because obviously her background is um, more prevalent with the sexual sin and she talked about that a lot but it was kind of like all sin and she just did a great job of talking about the difference between external temptation and internal temptation Mm -hmm. because the struggle of if you don't um, coming from her like Roman Catholic background it's this idea that if you don't um, willfully like follow into a temptation it's not sin so if you're tempted internally but you don't act on it to her understanding growing up that wasn't sin I think for a lot of us it's maybe we don't classify it as sin but we still like we kind of like lower declassify that as something as not as bad but what she was saying is that internal temptation is is from the law of the nature of sin in our body therefore it is sin whether or not it's your fault doesn't matter mm-hmm as much as it is whether or not it exists. Yeah. And so she was saying how Christ was not internally tempted right. because he didn't have the nature of sin in his heart. So to say that Christ was tempted in a certain way internally, right? that was saying that then somehow his nature was sinful. But so I like how she divided the two. She said, flee external temptation. Mm-hmm. Right. So anytime the world is coming out to get you, right, flee external temptation. But anytime it's internal temptation, you repent that because that itself is sin. Yeah. And she was pretty, like, intense on that idea of the internal temptation of, right, she, like, talked about going to a punching bag and, like, punching a punching bag, quoting scripture until that sin escapes your mind, escapes your heart, escapes your soul. Yeah. Of, like, treating, you know, the, the, even the, just the temptation level as a deadly sin. Yeah. She was talking about, too, how sin will grow and grow and grow and eat you alive um, unless you deal with it. Um, the whole time she was talking, I was thinking about um, the book Frankenstein. I mean, I don't know, you know, Mary Shelley's book, um, probably one of my favorite reads um, outside of just, you know, normal, you know, biblical, um, you know, spiritual themed books. But Frankenstein, Mary Shelley, um, the concept, the idea as she writes about this monster that was created, it, in a sense, it represents sin, right? It's something that you create and then something that you coddle and something that you, um, you know, you're, you're proud of. And all of a sudden it turns on you. And then when it turns on you, what do you do with it? How do you get rid of it? Uh, and it ends up, right, the monster ends up destroying uh, Frankenstein's life. And, and he has to dedicate his whole life to try to go and kill it and, and you know, never does. 
Um, but I, I was just thinking about that because she's really focusing on that concept um, that you've got to put to death sin. That's that's the great battleground. Um, and so not just, you know, as the world comes in and tempts you, but even that internal sin that, you know, that will will allow to grow and grow and grow. And we just kind of keep a pet sin. And she's like, you know, pet sins end up getting so big that they'll end up destroying your whole life. So great reminder from Rosaria. We're reading I'm reading her book right now with a couple other guys. We're going to do um, this as the next book study. She's got a book out called Five Lies. Uh, and that'll come out in February. So I'm really um, excited about that, reading her book. Um, others? Anybody else? I think something simple David Platt says is um, if you want to make your life count, you don't waste it on pointless things. Mm-hmm. You spend it walking with God daily. And just the fact that, like, it's easy to think, like, oh, yeah, if I want to, like, make my life meaningful, I have to do meaningful things. But, like, to do meaningful things means you're not doing pointless things. Yeah. And so us just, like, going into every day knowing, like, hey, what do I have to do to make my life count? And that's spending uh, spending daily time with God and just going from there of, like, what 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 do you have next for me and what can I do better to, like, progress? Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing that, you know, talk about um, one of the big things about reading good books is avoiding bad ones. Um, don't waste your time. Um, so, again, Piper um, has a book called Don't Waste Your Life. Um, James Emery White, uh, one of my favorite authors who's alive, has a book called Serious Times, Making Your Life Matter in an Urgent Day. Um, but a couple others, right? Um, a Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life um, by William Law. So I don't know if you guys remember the um, the podcast we did with Ty Olson, right? He threw out that. It's one of his favorite books, one of my favorite books. Um, I know you guys, um, you know, have read The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer. Great reminder um, that if you truly want to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. Um, and then, you know, they uh, they gave us a devotional, Alistair Begg's devotional. Um, and uh, I think, you know, a great reminder is, is to have that daily time in the Word, something that um, constantly puts you and sets your minds on things um, above so that as you go throughout the day, um, that you're not just advancing your own kingdom and yourself, but you're looking to say, hey, how am I advancing the kingdom of heaven, right? That Matthew 6.33 principle that I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. And so, you know, you, you can't um, have a life that's dedicated and devoted to great things if you're focused on just good things and, uh, and only advancing yourself, right? Or you're allowing bad things to come in. So I think that's a great reminder. So kind of going off what Campbell was talking about a little bit earlier, um, Ligon kind of brought up, uh, Ligon Duncan brought up kind of the, one of his quotes was, the names of the righteous are eternal, but the names of the wicked are forgotten. Mm. And just talking about how, like, a lot of people, success in life and a great family and all these different things are kind of what they measure their life in yeah. at the end of the day, like, will you be um, like forgotten? Will you be remembered? And then later in the conference, there was actually, uh, it was Kevin DeYoung who brought up um, Henry Kissinger yeah, and how he has like by worldly standards, probably oh, incredible one of the resume. most yeah. incredible resumes. I mean, anybody you could argue like you put him yeah. up with just about anybody yeah. However, he's quickly forgotten. Yeah, none of those I mean, people there, eighteen to twenty-five. Yeah, none nobody, of them knew who nobody knew who it was. was. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. And in in the end, I mean, we don't know what actually happened spiritually with him. But if he's if he's not there spiritually, he's not going to be up in yeah. heaven. And it's it's he is going to be quickly so, forgotten. So the example that Ligon uh, Duncan used, and I thought was so powerful, was that he was actually went back to Exodus, and he was talking about how it says, the, um, you know, the Pharaoh, right, the king of Egypt, went to the midwives right? Who are the people that are helping deliver children for the nation of Israel, 
right? And so, you know, the, the, the family is there, um, you know, the, the Jews are there in Egypt. Um, they're being oppressed, but they're growing and they're multiplying so greatly um, that Pharaoh wants to imprison them, right? Wants to or enslave them, sorry. Um, but one of the things he's going to try to do is he's going to try to limit their number. And so he goes to the midwives and he's basically saying, hey, if there's a boy that's born, kill it. If it's a girl, let it live. And the thing that he points out is that in scripture, the names of the midwives are recorded. And so it says the midwives and it says there are two names, right? And it says the king goes to them, right? And ask them for help. And he's like, here's, here's the crazy thing, right? Again, the names of the midwives are recorded. The name of the king is not, but the king is the one who's seeking help from the midwives. And so you think about, you know, one of the most powerful people on the planet at that time, and he's got to go ask help from a couple of midwives to try to take on what God is doing. And, and that's the thing that, that I think, you know, Duncan was trying to point out is if you want to be remembered, do something eternal, right? Because God is the one who is at work with the midwives. And so it, it's interesting. The rest of that story is the midwives don't obey, right, Pharaoh. They do obey God. And it says that God protected them and established them and gave them families of their own. And that's the idea, right? Who, who do you want to obey? Do you want to obey what look like the princes of this world, um, to see if you can get ahead, or do you want to obey the God of the universe? Which one do you think um, will win in the end? And that, that was a that was a great reminder, I thought, from that particular perspective. Um, let's see a couple other things that happened during the conference uh, as we were there. Um, Campbell turned eighteen, yep. so big big birthday party for for Campbell. Um, we we did something um, that we probably should not have done uh, for his eighteenth birthday, and that is uh, we discovered Jeff's donuts. Mm. Um, which, uh, we, you know, the boys, we were thinking maybe we want to franchise Jeff's Donuts uh, here in Texas. It's kind of a, uh, an Indiana, Kentucky thing. Um, so for those of you who are anywhere near Indiana, Kentucky, and you can get over to Jeff's Donuts, uh, make sure you do that. We are not sponsored by Jeff's Donuts. But, uh, if you we, want to sponsor us. Yeah, if you want to sponsor <laughs> us and send us some donuts. Uh, my favorite, by the way, was the cinnamon roll with the chocolate frosting. Do you guys... No. I thought it was really good. It was really good. Apple fritter. Dude, apple the apple fritter was really good. Blueberry was fire. The blueberry cake was Their incredible. donut holes were also amazing. The donut holes we were We might have all- tried everything they had to offer, except for we, the Texas Dice donut. We yeah, didn't we, get that. I don't think we tried everything, because there, there were a lot of different things. They had um, the, the, the cereal ones on top, right? They had the Fruity, Fruity Pebble, Pebble ones, and then uh, cinnamon, the toast cinnamon Toast Crunch ones. So. The Oreo one wasn't bad. No kolaches, though. No kolaches. Just donuts. So that was a great thing. That's what we got from the conference. That's what we got. Yeah. Well, well, we're franchising we, Jeff's. We took it away, right? And, well, Hammerheads, that was a great. That was also their, great. Their brisket was as good as any brisket we've had in Texas. So we got we got to have a shout-out to them because they had incredible food there. Um, last thing is I just want to focus on just our word of the year. Um, I mentioned my word of the year last episode. said it was hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. And I know you guys wanted to share uh, your word for the year so that people can be praying for you um, along those particular lines. So, um, Preston, let's start with you. Your word of the year? It's accountability. Um, I think uh, Parker and I just got to join a community group yep. um, at Watermark. And so for me, for, for going through college, um, having an accountability group, having a community group was very important. And now that I'm finally going to be in one, I'm very excited for just getting to do life with guys my age rather than just people that kind of built in with my family yeah. I always have my family but having people my age that I get to just do life with be on, open and honest with and hear life from them as well and kind of maybe do some things out, outside of my comfort zone I think I get to 
be held accountable. Obviously, that's why I chose the word, and I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest important thing that you mentioned there too is um, that you're not looking to just um, go to a church and be a consumer, right? You're looking at getting plugged in and giving mm-hmm. um, as a as a as you know, in addition to getting, and I think so many people, um, it's kind of like, well, I don't get anything out of church. And I'm like, well, it's because you don't put anything into it, right? It's like walking up to the bank and saying, hey, I'd like to make a, de- you know, I'd make the, like to make a withdrawal, but you haven't made a deposit yet, right? So you can't make a withdrawal spiritually until you've made deposits. And I think that's a, a great reminder, right, is that, you know, you're looking for accountability, you're looking for community, you're looking for, you know, a relationship that's going to grow you deeper, but you're looking to put into that as well, yeah. right? So you're, you're plugged in and involved and you're going and you're attending and you're looking to build those relationships and then you're going to get something in return from that. So yeah, I think that's super important. Another thing that I think that's awesome is kind of uh, off record, but um, today in church at Watermark, they kind of brought up how they do their membership yep. and how every year at the start of the year, they start from zero. They, they want people to completely go back in and recommit yourself yep. to the church. I think that's awesome. It shows the dedication. And so that's something I'm very excited about. Yeah. It's a good reminder that your spiritual walk is a, is a moment by moment, day by day, year by year growth and development. It's not something that you do one time and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you gotta, you gotta devote yourself to that. So good. Parker, your word for the year is consistent. Consistent. Consistent or consistency. Both work. I think that's the same word, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, (laughs) nice start. Um, So, the idea of consistency that I really liked was last year, a lot of what defined my life as being my first year in the the workforce was discipline. Uh, I learned to, like, create my own rhythms in a physical sense, a spiritual sense, Mm -hmm. emotional sense. Like, just, like, how do I get up every single day, working out? physically taking care of my body, eating healthier. How do I get up, go to work, be a good steward of, you know, the job that I have? How do I every day, like, get in God's word, spend time with God? And so, like, that idea of discipline was, like, a really big theme for me in 2023. And I was listening to you. And you did that really well. I mean, that that really even changed our family dynamic, right, as you came back. And, um, you know, the, the thing that got me was when you, you know, you pulled out the scale and started weighing your food. Right, I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, we're actually going to take this thing seriously. This is this is not going to be good, um, but it was good. It was it was good. It was hard, um, and and you were consistent. Um, the the watch helped, right? Because you uh, evaluated and weighed um, everything that you put into your body, and then you know the exercise and the activity to make sure that you burned more calories than you ate, and all the different things. And so, I mean, I like that idea of consistency. Is like, you know, hey, here's the deal. You know, keep keep it going. Right, you don't want to be a flash in the pan. You don't want to be a, a one hit wonder. You want to keep this going for the rest of your life. Right, and I just like the, this quote that it said that like consistency is discipline on repeat. Yeah, and I remember a pastor talking about like one of the least praised things that a person ever has is for someone who's consistent because no one praises consistency. Yeah. They just expect it. And I think for me, like in my life, is like I want to like for people to be like for, even for myself to be like kind of caught off guard when I'm not where I'm supposed to be because that kind of helps me going back to presence where to be accountable because if you're consistent in the times that you're not and you slip up people are going to notice and pull you back on a track and so I just like that idea of just that idea that I am going to stay consistent to the disciplines that I have created yep. because the disciplines help deepen my roots to help me grow stronger so I really like that word for this year so consistent yeah uh, Eugene Peterson had a book great book um, long obedience in the same direction. 
Um, and that was the, the, the concept, right? It was just, you know, there, there's nothing uh, remarkable or, or exceptional about just the walk of obedience. It's just the length. And so I think the concept is, is right, you want to um, walk this walk out, right, for the next you know, 70, 80, 90, years, whatever God gives you, right, is every day you want to be consistent. Um, and you have the, the benefit and, and the privilege of being young um, and growing in your faith for that long. And so the, the whole idea of a person who's going to live for the world and then at the end, right, give their life to Christ, it's like you miss out on so much of the richness of seeing what God's going to do in your life by doing this day in and day out for a long period of time, right? And and that's that's the cool thing is, the relationship grows deeper, right? It's it's kind of like a marriage, right? You, you don't want a marriage to last for a year. You want a marriage to last for 50 years. Um, and you grow in your deepness um, and your intimacy, right? That depth is going to be there. And so I think, you know, the word consistency uh, is a great reminder to you that, that this year is going to be a repeat of last year in terms of that um, discipline and discipleship. But now it's going to be even greater, right? It's going to grow even deeper. And then next year, and then next year, and then next year. So... Good stuff. Campbell? Uh, yeah, so for my word for the year is steadfast. And whenever I was looking uh, really at what steadfast means, um, I was thinking of something that would stay loyal. And so it's like, for me, it's like a tree. Like, uh, it's not like Planted a by the water's edge? Uh, yeah. So it's not like a branch. Like a branch can stay a part of a tree and be faithful in a sense, but it can waver when the wind comes. Yeah. But for me, it's like being the tree when the wind comes. It stays strong yeah. and faithful even when the wind comes. And so just this year with like, I'm going on two mission trips and like I have a lot of commitments with football and church and like all this other stuff. It's like the things I'm committed to, I have to be strong and faithful in and not just being like, yeah, I'll be there and just showing up and stuff, but it's being there and being like leading it and making sure that I'm there and that I'm present and that I'm helping, but also taking away stuff. Yeah. So often in scripture, when you see the word steadfast, the next word you get is immovable. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a great reminder that you're, you know, you're not, you don't want to just be plugged in, Right, you want to be growing and deepening and have those roots going down deep, so that when, right, the winds of change come along, you're not able to be pushed over easily. So that's a that's a great word, steadfast. That was my word two years ago. Last year was nice. trust. Thank you. Yes. And this year is hallelujah. Hey, I, I want to throw this out. So I sent out to a bunch of different people my word for the year, and a lot of people will text me back and give me their word for the year. I want you to guess. Right, because there's a there's a common theme. I, I think probably about fourteen or fifteen people all texted back the same word, and I have not told you what it is yet. Okay, but what do you think the the most common word that people texted back was for their theme, their word for the year for 2024? Anybody got a guess? Courage. Okay, courage. Intentional. Intentional. Faithful. Faithful. Joy. Tough. Joy was the number one response from people this year. Right. And I kind of I've kept track of it, track of it for the last few years, just kind of right. But it but it helps me just kind of get a sense for where people are. And I think people have. And here's, here's the reason why I think people have um, a desire to see God's goodness um, in the midst of the darkness around us. Right. And so people are choosing intentionally. We talked about this before, but to, choosing intentionally to see joy. Right. And to have joy even in the midst of difficult times. And so that was kind of the, the number one word that people um, sent back. So anyway, um, really enjoyed uh, the drive up to, uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, our first time ever in Louisville. Right, yep. we drove. We drove by the Louisville Slugger. We saw we it. Drove we, by it yeah. we drove by it. We didn't go in. It's too we, cold. We went across. We went across the river into Indiana. Right, where Check. 
and um, yeah, check eight, o- eight no over there. <laughs> now, um, I, I went to um, IU um, in Bloomington, uh, Indiana for undergrad. And so I'd made a trip down to Kentucky before. But you guys, I think, was this the first time you guys have ever been in Kentucky? Anybody? You, Parker, you said you were in Kentucky before, right? No? You drove I've been through. to Indiana before. You've been to Indiana before. I've probably I thought been you drove through Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe I, have. I don't know. It wasn't memorable if I have, yeah. but to, this one was. Anyway, this one was. This one was. anyway I, I will say this, right? If you get an opportunity um, to go. Go get Jeff's donuts. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Jeff's donuts there. But if you get an opportunity to go, um, find a retreat, find a conference, find something where you can just grow spiritually, find some people that you want to grow spiritually with. And so, guys, I, I appreciated um, you allowing me to go along with you as, as the old guy, right? I wasn't the, in the 18 to 25-year-old range. Um, but, uh, I just made that range. (laughs) Yeah. Parker Campbell just made it. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the 11,000, um, young people at this particular conference. Um, it was awesome to be there. It was great. Um, this, the singing, the, the worship was, was sweet, such a sweet time. Um, just to hear the people, um, and their voices lifted up, praising God, um, and then listening to some great speakers. So I really enjoyed the days that we had at the conference and just kind of the, the trip that I had with you guys. So I appreciate it tremendously. Any last thoughts or words you want? From encouragement to the people out there listening, I say make 2024 a great year. Um, pick your word for the year. If you want to, uh, you know, email me, right, uh, info at trainingformanhood.com. Um, and uh, really enjoy you guys listening to the podcast. I appreciate Preston Parker and Campbell, you guys, recording this one with me. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, Check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.